0: Hi friends, and welcome to The Afterword, a podcast where we meet up to have a deeper conversation about the truths we're studying in the Bellevue Women Bible Study each week. I'm your host, Donna Gaines, and I'm here with my co-host, Dana Street, and a very special guest, Carol Ward. Well, we've just finished Lesson 3 of The Beginning, His Story in Genesis 1-11, through and we spent this morning in Genesis 2, where God reveals the first garden, the first law, and the first marriage all parts of His sovereign plan for our good and His glory. In this passage, we learn about our God-designed role as women, but more importantly, we get a greater glimpse into the character of our Creator God. You're listening to The afterward. Well, Carol, welcome. We are so delighted to have you. And I think it's really fun that we get to talk to you today after studying what it means to be female and to image God, because you are imaging Him Mm. in a world that doesn't know about God and needs to Mm. hear. So thank you.
1: Thank you, too. It's an honor to be here.
0: Well, we are delighted. And For those of you that are listening, Carol was here with us for Bible study. We got to interview her and hear her story with the women at lunch, and we want to go a little deeper into your story, Carol. And I would love for the women just to hear a little bit about your personal walk with Christ, how you lean on Him and depend on Him. You are a word-saturated woman, Mm -hmm. and I know from just the the blessing of being around you just a little bit, Mm -hmm. the word flows out of you very easily when you pray you pray the Word of God. So would you share with the listeners a little bit about your personal walk with Christ?
1: Yes, thank you. When I grew up in a home as a child with parents that lived the Word, didn't just talk it, their sermons were on their knees. Those were the greatest sermons I've ever heard, and they made an impression on me and molded the choices I've made today. But I don't remember a day in my life not being in love with Jesus. And Mm. that's just a privilege as a child. Mm. So even at 12, I remember saying, Lord, you've done what you've done for me and it cost you your life. What do I have to give you? Just this life. And I began crying out as a 12-year-old child, will you use me? Whatever you need to use me, I want to go tell people that have never heard who you are and what you mean to me. I had such a hunger as a child. I'm sure it's from praying parents. This is the power Mm of prayer and praying grandparents to know him personally and intimately. And I'd sit down at the ocean. I'd get on my horse up in the jungles and ride and plant myself on the top of a mango tree or in the middle of the jungle. And I'd spend three or four or five hours with the Lord. My mom never worried about where Mm -hmm. I was. I always took a notebook and Jesus talked to me. Mm -hmm. And he talked to me as real as you're talking to me right now. And I think sometimes we take that as an exception rather than the rule. But he says in John 10, he's our shepherd, and he wants to talk to us every day. And when I see children in Africa I hear God daily in dreams and visions, and he comes to them, somebody said, why do the children here hear him like this? I thought, well, I did growing up in the bush. I think it's because we don't have sensory overload. Right? We've learned to listen, and we can be still. And so I would take walks with Jesus. I would just close my eyes and he would just come to me and and say, honey, let's go for a walk. And he taught me lessons of life. And years later, when I got to Africa and I thought, there is no instruction manual for what I am doing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he said, you didn't need one. I am. Your instruction Mm. manual. And John 16 says, the Holy Spirit will teach you everything you need to know. Well, how are Mm. we going to learn what we need to know if we don't know His voice? Mm. And we should know His voice and love His voice more than Mm. the voice of any person. So I have a little saying on my wall that says, when I get up in the morning, I don't want to see a face Mm. until I've seen the face of God. Mm. And I don't want to hear a voice until Mm. I've heard his voice. And I have journals and journals. And when he Mm. starts talking, I can't write fast enough. Mm. He said in Isaiah 50, verse 4, I will wake you up. Isn't that Mm, sweet? Not an alarm Mm. clock, but be woken up with the kiss of heaven. And I'm going to talk to you and teach you things you don't know. And you're going to have the Mm. tongue of a person that's educated. And so I thought, wow, that's kind of fast forwarding Mm -hmm. education and training and everything. But the closer we are Mm -hmm. to Jesus and we live inside of him. And so that became my hiding place. My grandmother, Mm -hmm. when I was just a small child at eight, started teaching me to pray also. And she'd say, come on, honey. I was staying with her for two weeks. That's time for prayer. In the evening, she'd sit in a rocking chair and rock. She'd pray for the lost. She'd weep. She'd just cry out, send the hound to heaven after him. Which is the Holy Spirit. All right. And then she just pray and pray and cry and weeping. And after a couple of hours, she'd look at me and says, Your turn, honey. And my eyes were as big as saucers, you know. But I watched that at eight. Mm. And I thought she knows God. And every time you'd see her, mm. she's out on the mountain with Jesus. I watched her mm. witness. She said, Let's go fishing today, honey. And I said, Fishing? Thinking she had fishing poles. No, no, no. We're going down to the park in New York City, Manhattan. I'm teaching you fishing. And I'd go with her, well, I've been fishing with my parents in the jungles, you know. So I thought, let me watch how she does. she get right up in people's face. She said, you know what? I have something to tell you. Do you know Jesus? I mean, she's a little 80-year-old lady, little just old right in their face. Thing. And they go, what, 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 you know? Dad? And she said, no, do you really know him? And I got to learn there's two kinds mm-hmm. of knowing. And one is, I've heard about him, had knowledge. Or do I really know him Intimately. And she talked about living in the heart of God. Mm. And I realized in John 1 that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He says that in John 14. But where's that? It says in John 1, he came from the bosom of the Father. Mm. And he's gone to prepare a mm. place for me in the bosom. In the heart mm. of God is my hiding mm. place and my dwelling place. Mm. And Colossians 3.3 3 says you're hidden. With Jesus Christ inside of God. And that's a secret to answer mm-hmm. prayer, John 15. That's
0: right. If you
1: live inside mm-hmm. of me, and I live inside of you, you can ask anything and I'll do mm-hmm. it. So those truths were instilled in me as a child, and I just grew up just mm-hmm. loving Jesus, writing poetry about mm-hmm. our walks, wow. taking walks with Jesus, writing mm-hmm. volumes of journals mm-hmm. of what He says <laughs> to me, and I still do. <laughs> Can you tell us just a little bit, Carol, about your call to Africa, to Uganda incident? How did God move your heart in that way? Well, I had wept for lost people, and I was doing ministry at home in Oklahoma as a nurse. And I thought, okay, there's a Jerusalem. A Judea, a Samaria, and the ends of the earth in Acts 1-8. And I was working with heroin addicts, foster kids. I made every room in the hospital a mission field. And I'd kneel down and build a prayer altar, literally. And so, I mean, you know, it's spiritually, but mm-hmm. in
0: every room. Mm-hmm.
1: And so I thought, okay, this is home missions, but my heart is aching. And I kept going back mm-hmm. to my 12-year-old childhood. I said, Lord, I want to go. They've never heard you. I would get maps of nations and lay them on the floor and just lay down Mm. on them and pray and weep and cry. I didn't ever think I'd be able to go for the rest of my life. I knew my generations before me had. So when I got an invitation from Campus Crusade to go serve for one year, and I had done a short-term missions in Uganda, I thought, I don't know if that's the place I pray that God would send me where no one wants to go because missions, 9 out of 10 missions, goes to urban places. Really? They go where there's roads, there's hospitals, mm. there's medical, there's schools, there's safety, there's infrastructure. 1 out of 10 goes to the bush. Well, that's not a very high percentage, and that's why there's still 9,000-plus tribes never heard the name Jesus. And he said this gospel has to be preached, every tribe and every tongue, mm. and then the coming of the Lord. So I'm thinking... What's my assignment? We've got to finish our calling. And when we lose our purpose, we lose our direction. And I think as a nation, we've lost our direction. And that means losing purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I went and I served for a year with Campus Crusade. I was invited to, but I knew that wasn't my
0: destination. So So how did the Lord reveal the destination to you?
1: As I heard African students from five countries of East Africa, Congo, Rwanda, Tanzania, Uganda, Sudan. And Hmm. so I heard stories, though, from the North Sudan. Of course, I'd grown up in a Muslim Hmm. village. I knew what terrorism was, unreached people groups. I just thought, North? War? I wasn't in a war zone because my parents had no fear. We might Hmm. be evacuated village to village by the voice of God. But I never saw blood and guts and heard guns. And so when I listened to the stories of these precious students crying and saying, Everybody has abandoned and forsaken us, and the embassy is evacuated. And I think God's forsaken us, too. Mm-hmm. And I looked and I said, absolutely not. He hasn't. Then will you
0: come? I knew that was a place I'd pray.
1: Yes. Send me where no one wants to go.
0: I love that. Mm-hmm. With the yes. title of your book, Send Me Where mm-hmm. No One Wants to Go. <laughs> yes. What a prayer request. Yes. But the yes. Lord has answered that, and He has moved mightily and miraculously because of your willingness to go, and Carol, people can find out more about your ministry and get involved in it by going to your website. So, would you share that
1: with them? Yes, it's international and that's
0: dot Because all of us are called. Mm. We may not be in the bush with you, but we are all called Mm. to go and make disciples. And we need to be doing it where we are, but we also need to be engaged with missions around the world. And we can do that by praying and giving and going. So how can we come alongside favor and pray?
1: Our safety is probably the biggest thing. I know the Lord uses martyrs, but we have not ever lost a person and we go through gunfire And diseases. 20
0: years of not losing a person. That's amazing.
1: And we have 500 missionaries, Mm -hmm. indigenous missionaries in Sudan going northward and 150 in Uganda going east and west and covering Uganda. Never lost anybody, but everybody's already died to themselves, so the devil Mm. can't kill a dead man. (laughs) So, safety. And then that God would help us to uncover hidden tribes that are still Mm -hmm. not even discovered yet. We're going into Islamic territory through national prayer gatherings. The death sentence has been lifted for converting from Islam to Christianity. We do a national prayer gathering, 77 Mm -hmm. hours of prayer in the stadium in Juba annually. A week later, front page of the paper, death sentence lifted. So Mm -hmm. we can go freely into Sudan now with the gospel, Darfur, and all these places where missionaries were executed just two years ago. Wow. So what are the conditions like? Islam areas are very different than the naked warriors and headhunters mm. than going through the jungles with the lions and hyenas. So every place has mm. its own set of danger. But our guys are leaving for Darfur, as I speak, in two weeks. And they're going to say, we got a letter from the government that the underground church that has been suppressed and would be executed had if you were found to be a Christian is now coming above ground and we're going to pull it up. Wow. And I said, well, the grassroots doesn't know that the government's given you permission. They still think it's time to kill every Christian. And so their lives are desperately at risk. Mm -hmm. But we're praying for them. We're sending a whole team, all five states in Darfur. They're going to be Mm -hmm. doing evangelistic crusades like Billy Graham. Then they're going to follow it with discipleship and church planting. Mm -hmm. And so we send them, raise them, train them, send them. And so we've got hundreds going. And then the next thing is Chad. And so they're going to go into the hardest danger area as possible mm. because that's where most of the unreached people groups are. Right, And it's not necessarily that they're all Islam. It's the fact that they've been held in bondage and darkness mm. and not allowed to hear truth or light. Right. And so they might be, you know, witchcraft and a cult of every kind or pagan or, you know, whatever, but they've just never heard mm. Jesus. Mm. And I find those tribes and I've been mm. with them. And you know, you're teaching on Genesis, Donna. And this is the exciting things. When you go into an unreached people group, you can't start in John 3.16. Right. Exactly. They don't know who Jesus yeah. is. But Romans 1 says everybody can look at creation That's right. and mm. can believe there is a God. So when we go to these headhunting naked warriors, you got about three minutes to talk. And mm. you may be dinner. Many yeah. of them are cannibals. Right. And so we start with Genesis. The Creator had a son, Mm -hmm. and his son loved you more than his own life and shed Mm -hmm. his blood, so you don't have to shed your blood. Now, he wants to make an exchange, Mm -hmm. his life for yours. How many of you want the son of the Creator? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the gospel. It is. The way Mm -hmm. they understand it through interpreters. Sure. And their hands shoot up in the air. And one little chief up there, he heard for the first time, and we're getting them the audio Bibles and other things and going in with discipleship, but he came down and found us at our office in Mm Jupiter. He said, we need more of those stories. Give us more stories of the Creator and His Son. And he said, for the first time in our lives as a tribe, he goes like this, opens his eyes. He said, we've seen the light.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm does like
1: that? You sit down
0: and cry. Uh-huh. It is Isaiah 9. Those who sit <laughs> in darkness have seen the light. That's it. right. 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 Yeah. right. Well, you have mm. been faithful to do that, to take the light into the darkest, some of the darkest places on the planet. And you've seen wars cease and God move miraculously and open doors for ministry and give you opportunities to do like the prayer meetings and <laughs> the things that they've tell you you can't do and you yes. guys just pray and yes. God opens doors. Yes. So that's a challenge to all of us, Carol, because I mm-hmm. think especially in the United States we can become very complacent in our Christianity mm-hmm. and you know things are getting more difficult here but we're not persecuted. Our lives are not at risk like your life is when you're in Africa. So what would you say to encourage women who are listening to get engaged?
1: Well, with missions over there, pray and help us send missionaries. And the need's immense. And then all the street kids that are getting saved, God's turning mercenaries and murderers into missionaries as fast as they're getting saved. Mm. So we're baptized 100 a month. And so ways to give, obviously, and ways to pray. And the need is immense. The more that comes in, the more missionaries we can send. And we can only send what God provides. But we always say we'll go to hell and back and pull them out of the flames if you'll hold the ropes. (laughs) So we need a lot of people holding the ropes, you know. And the harvest is ready. Every person can be involved. And the thing about it is it's not just about a nation. You're not just giving to a nation. or a country. Jesus said, ask me for nations. But I challenge people and I'll say, what are you going to lay at Jesus's feet when you see him? What are you going to lay there? You've had your whole life to give an account of the talent he trusted you with, which is the time span and the gifts and abilities or finances, resources, whatever. What are you going to lay? Only two things are eternal. And that's the word of God and the souls of men. You can't come up there and say, bring your pretty house or bring your, you know, this or that. It's going to be the souls of men and the Word of God. That's our measurement. And that's for eternity. Our life's only a dot. What we see is temporal. 2 Corinthians mm. 4, 17 says, but what we don't see is eternal. And that's I- rewards of eternity. Mm. <laughs> and right. who wouldn't want to do that? Mm. Because the lamb is worthy of the reward of his mm. suffering. If we see the cross and what he paid for, it's kind of like, I'm so in love with you, Jesus. Why wouldn't I want you to have the biggest bride you could possibly have? And he mm. said in Romans 9, I'm going to call him my bride, even the Muslim nations that don't yet know that they're my beloved. So he's already calling them that. I had a vision of him dancing at a wedding ceremony, and it was his. And he was in a white tux, but he was dancing with a lady in a black burqa. And he said, I'm going to dance with them. Mm -hmm. And he said, why, you pray and tell them the angel's going to put on a white wedding gown. And as he danced with them and swayed, that burqa slipped off, Mm -hmm. and they were wearing a pure white gown. And he said, My bride is worldwide and he loves them. Mm.
0: And you know, Carol, several years ago, the Lord revealed to me that prayer is also eternal because Mm. in Revelation 5 8, it says that our prayers are continually Mm. rising before him. They're gathered and held in those golden bowls and they continually Mm. rise before him. So, for those of you that are listening, and you may not be able to go, maybe you're in the throes of child rearing and you have other obligations you can pray. And as you pray, you are investing in eternity. And your prayers, prayers can outlive us because we may die and go be with the Lord before Jesus returns. Mm. And the prayers that we have prayed for the nations, Mm. for the peoples, those prayers will continue to be answered Mm. and continue to rise before the Father until Jesus returns. So we can add to the bride through our prayers as well. And you know what?
1: We can take every temporal Physical act mm. and turn it into an eternal, spiritual offering mm. by praying without yes. ceasing.
0: Whether you're driving,
1: whether you're mm. washing dishes, doing mm. laundry, we mm. can turn it into eternity.
0: Take the mundane and turn mm. it into ministry. Yes, right? yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just couldn't help but think how God orchestrated this
1: so beautifully, because today we were talking about the fact that God has written us; our story is part of God's larger, eternal story. And even as you were sharing at lunch today, I thought, God, how beautiful it is for us to be teaching that, for Donna to be talking about the role of women, Mm -hmm. the way God designed us, and then just to bring us a beautiful example of what God is doing through you and how he is writing an eternal story through your life. So on behalf of the women that got to hear you today. And for those who will be hearing you on this podcast, thank you. Thank you for the example. Thank you for the challenge you are to us. Thank you for being the bride.
0: (laughs) That's right. I wanted to close with 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 47. It says, so also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul. And that's what we studied today when God made him out of the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life into him. The last Adam, Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. And we Mm. live for those things that Mm. are in heaven. Yes. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Every day for that day. That's my life's motto, every day for that day. I love that. Well, Carol, would you take a moment to pray for our women's ministry here Mm. and that God would birth in the hearts of our women a hunger to make Him known? Yes. Yes. Thank you.
1: Lord Jesus, we just say together, You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of the harvest. You're worthy of the bride. Mm. You're worthy of the passion and intensity, Lord, within the heart of Your children. Because that passion and that intensity led you to lay your life down for us. You're worthy of every breath we breathe and everything we can bring you and lay you at your feet. I pray today for this precious, precious army of women. Lord, I think of Psalm 68 that says, The women that published it were a great and mighty host. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that each one has such a calling. Each one has been chosen. I pray, Lord, that the word obedience would cause every single precious woman to fall in line with those that are chosen. We would drop our net, take up our cross and follow Mm -hmm. you and say, here I am, send me, I want to be chosen. I pray that, Lord, whether it's being sent to make a phone call to a lost person, to give comfort, to give hope, to go next door, to go down the street, to go into our neighborhoods and our communities, Lord. Whatever we have in our hand, You said whatever our hand finds to do, to do it with all of our might. And Lord, I pray Isaiah 33, 17, over every one of them, that Your precious bride would see the face of her beloved, would see the face of the King, and then see the land that's far off. They're going to see the land around them, they're going to see the need around them, and they're going to see the land that's far off. I thank You, Lord Jesus, that... All of us together want to be as the woman in the Word of God that she lost a coin, but when she knew it was lost, she turned furniture upside down to find that coin. Mm. And Lord, that's what you said you do with one person that's hurting. You'll leave 99 to go after that one. And if we've received healing and we've received Jesus, we have something to give for that one. So I pray that every day, each one reach one. You would show us that one and that that would be a motto because those days add to months that add to years. And Lord, we do want this life to count for eternity. I pray over the women. Only one life will soon be passed, but only what's done for Christ will last. May they be instruments of enlargement for the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, activators Mm -hmm. of revival and become contagious with their faith. May there be just like an epidemic of salvation and soul winning that we'll see a revival in this nation and in nations as we keep praying and sowing as we have never seen before. Let your blessings rest upon them. I thank you, Lord, for Dana. I thank you, Father, so much for Donna. I thank you for the leaders of these precious women. And I thank you for the call of God on their lives that was there before they were even born. And I thank you for the fulfillment of that calling that you will make them fruitful in the kingdom of God, fulfilled and fruitful in every way. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
0: The Afterward Podcast is a production of Bellevue Women and Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. For more Bible studies and other resources, visit Bellevue.org slash women.